Amen and amen. What a good opportunity to be in the house of the Lord today. Man, we appreciate the whole team up here, Haley and Hank and Stephen, and of course the, um, the, the worship ensemble, um, the vocal group that's here, just so you know that um, our choir was taking a break in the summer, but it has not gone away. And in this phase of our interim time, uh, a really cool thing, a really cool idea uh, that, that, that the Lord has led Stephen to do is to not bring the full choir back at this moment, but to bring ensembles of the choir. And so every week you're going to see choir folks up here, 8 to 10 people, 6 to 10 people, something in that neighborhood up here supporting right along the worship ministry of this church. And we praise God for the opportunity to do that. So if you would, grab your copy of God's Word and, and go with me uh, to uh, Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. Now the easiest way for you to find the book of Nehemiah is to find the book of Psalms and start turning left, okay? Go to, go to Psalms and turn left. Go left and you'll see Psalms, Job, Esther, and then Nehemiah, and then Ezra. If you get to Chronicles, you went too far. Turn around and go back, okay? That's where the book of Nehemiah is found. Now this morning, I want to take you on a trip. Y'all up for a trip? Come on, let's go on a trip together, all right? I want to take you to a place called Anytown, USA. Anytown, USA. I wonder, have you been there? I want to take you to a place called Anytown, USA. And in that town, in that city, there are some really good things going on. But you know what? There's a lot of bad things going on as well, all right? The city just ain't what it used to be. Again, I wonder, have you been there? There are some real heroes in any town. Men and women who put on that uniform every day. They put their necks on the line in various capacities for that city. Men and women who put on their suits and their khakis and their business skirts. And, and they go to work in government buildings and businesses across that city. Many of them serve that city well and they're a great benefit to it. But now make no mistake about it, that in, in any town there are some real villains as well. There are those who push harmful substances and harmful attitudes and harmful ideas. There are those who have no regard whatsoever for life or property and will take what they want by force. And there are those who take advantage of others. They, they wield what power they have to simply benefit themselves and, and really couldn't care less about those that they hurt and of course along the way also are not just the heroes and the villains but there are also let's just be honest this morning the inept listen they are good people they really are but they just don't have what it takes to do the job that they've been given and it's really causing a problem in any town i wonder have you been there sometimes it's not inept people, but instead inept systems that can come from even outside of, the, of that city that, that put people in places and, and positions where they just can't win. Now, sadly, in any town, crime is up. You don't go to this neighborhood or section of the city after dark. And you definitely don't go to that section of the city day or night. Property values down. More and more homes seem to be in disrepair. Broken windows and condemned buildings seem more and more commonplace. 
Industry is closing. Businesses are struggling. Businesses are even shuttering. Tension is rising. Frustration is rising. Fear is rising, I wonder, this morning. Have you been to that city? So many good things, yet so many troubling things. Beloved, that is any town, USA. Any town, USA. This is city upon city. So many cities, so many towns across this great land. Indeed, some would say, this is our city. Oh, this is Meridian. This is Philadelphia. This is Decatur. This is DeKalb. This is Quitman. That's, that's Bay Springs. This is Jackson. Some would say, oh, what you're describing is not just any town. You're describing our town. I wonder as you look around, do you see things that need to change? And do you long for some things to change? Do you dream of seeing things made better? I want to testify this morning, I do. Amen? I do. And look, I get it. I'm kind of an outsider. Let's be real. I've only been here a year. I'm a Johnny come lately. <laughs> But after being here for over a year now, look, I know what I know and I see what I see. And believe you me, I understand that there is still a lot I don't know. In fact, I turned on a road the other day off of Maiden Road. Is it Jeff Hearn Road? Is that the one off Maiden Road? I had never been on that road in my life. I'd passed by it a hundred times going down Wilsondale or going to visit somebody you know, on Maiden Road or whatnot. Never had turned down Jeff Hearn Road. And I was like, whoa, check this road out, man. There's even a church building back on, on Jeff Hearn Road. Right? I'm still learning, right? I'm still new enough here, right? But look, I know what I know, and I see what I see, both praiseworthy and condemnable. And look, I'm 43 now, right? I, I bring in my suitcase 42 years of living and working somewhere else. Bowling Green, Kentucky, three different times for 28 years altogether. Glasgow, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, Hanover, Indiana, Madison, Indiana, Charlestown, Indiana, Crofton, Kentucky, and its surrounding communities like Hopkinsville and Madisonville, Alexandria, Tennessee, with its surrounding cities like Smithville, Lebanon, Murfreesboro, Nashville, and now Collinsville and its surrounding cities and communities. Beloved, many of the things that I see here, both good and troubling, I've seen in every one of those cities that I've lived and worked in. I've been to any town, USA, yet the Lord has me here now, right? And I know what I know, and I see what I see. God has been welling something up in me this morning, and this week, and this month. And that was spurred on just two Fridays ago after Sarah Smith, she invited me to the mayor's breakfast, the mayor of Meridian, his prayer breakfast, or at least it was in honor of him. And it was in cooperation with Mission Mississippi Meridian, which she sits on the steering committee for. And I was given the opportunity to pray for Lauderdale County. And that God began to well something up in me, something that had already been there, but it was like throwing a little gasoline on it. And I would say this morning, guys, more importantly than what I know and what I see and what I hear, I hear the voices of men and women. And I read the words of men and women who've been here many, many, many more years than I've been here. Some of them even their entire lives. And it's an understatement to say that folks are bothered 
by much of what is going on around us. They long for change. I wonder this morning, do you? But here's the question. What you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I mean, does the Bible have any examples whatsoever, any instructions for us who find ourselves longing for something better in our cities and communities? Well, in fact, it does. And just this week in my Bible reading, the Lord hit me with what I needed, (laughs) what I needed as I opened up the book of Nehemiah and I began to read. There is one sense when I opened up the book of Nehemiah that, that I saw my city, my community, right there in the book of Nehemiah. You see, Jerusalem was a broken city. In fact, it was devastated. It was beyond broken. It was destroyed, demolished. It had lay in ruins for almost 160 years. And yet there was God through Nehemiah working a process to restore the city of Jerusalem. And God whispered into my spirit that morning, Ben, this is the process of restoration for any town, USA. And so I called one of the few experts in city and government that I know, Chris Lafferty. (laughs) And I told him, man, I said, here's what the Lord's smacking me with this morning. We had a really good conversation. In fact, the title of this morning's message came from a phrase that he texted me in an ongoing thread after we got off the phone. But one of the things he asked me was this. What do you want to do with this? What do you want to do with this series that God has put on your heart and honestly y'all I just want to say this up front I'm not entirely sure I I don't want to put God in a box right Uh, other than being obedient to preach the word of God to the people of God so that we might go out and do the work of God wherever we go other than that I'm, I'm not quite sure look it's so easy for preachers to get delusion of grandeur such that they think by just merely preaching a message or two on a topic that it's going to be fixed that's not how it works y'all it took years decades centuries to become what it is now and it can't be undone in the course of a few 45 minute sermons y'all said wait 45 minutes what (laughs) oh me but after preaching y'all in some capacity for 20 20 plus years now i've moved past that naivete i get it you can't just get up and preach a message and expect things to be fixed like them but here's what i do know it'll never be fixed if the men and people of god don't stand up and say thus saith the lord look it's practical god's word is practical and if we'll only proclaim it that the people of god might then go live it who knows what God will do look we are not always responsible for the results we are responsible for the faithfulness to do that which God will use to bring about his results amen so I'm just praying that God would spark something in you as he has sparked in me And I pray that it would spark something in us, right? A prayerfulness, a a hopefulness, a readiness to work for God-honoring change that brings about restoration to a broken city. Any town, USA. And I pray that God would change something in you. And change something in me individually. And then change something collectively in us. And then spill over into our community to change the greater Collinsville community. And then, Lord willing, our surrounding cities and so this morning 
we're going to begin to walk through the book of Nehemiah to discover what a godly process of restoration looks like in a series that we're calling A City Broken. A City Broken. I want to invite you this morning to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. And our text this morning comes from the first chapter, all 11 verses. The Word of God says this. The Word of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of, of Shislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love in those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you today and night. Uh, I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you, and I have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you've redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand, O oh Lord. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now, I was cupbearer to the king. Let's pray together. Father, your word is good here and it is true and it is right and we're thankful this morning for the narrative passage of Nehemiah God you have put this in here that the people of God might have a testimony to the way that you work through men and women to bring about restoration to the places that we live and I, I, I won't even begin father to try to equate here to Jerusalem and all of those theological nuances that we could get into father but I'll just say this you have planted us here and anywhere there is brokenness, God, would you begin to develop in us a burden? That's what I'm praying for this morning. Simply that, Father. Would you give us a burden? Father, I pray also for the one, two, ten, ever how many here who are here today and who have not yet turned from sin and trusted Christ. Father, I ask that you touch their heart and call them to salvation. Today, they would gladly say yes to Jesus. Father, just move in our midst and do what only you can do amongst your people. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, well, amen. Go ahead and grab your seat there this morning. Beloved, here's today's truth. Just very simple this morning. The restoration of a city begins with a burden. We're going to walk through the restoration process that we see here in the book of Nehemiah over the next few weeks. And I want to say this morning, we begin where Nehemiah begins, and that is with a burden. The restoration of a city begins with a burden. Now, I want to say it's really important here at the offset, at the offset to, to understand what a burden is, okay? Now, here's what a burden is not. A burden is not just being bothered by something. A burden is not just being bothered by something. It, it, it's, it's not just being inconvenienced. It's not being annoyed. It's not just being irritated. A, a burden's not, right? That, that's, that's, that's being bothered. Being bothered is, is like that fly that keeps lighting on you or flying around you and you just kind of shoo it away. It just bothers you. And many times, those who are merely bothered merely complain. And look, many times they complain really loudly. And oftentimes they complain often. And, and don't get me wrong, they typically have good reason to complain. Amen? There's good reason. But those who are merely bothered, they never get past merely complaining. Those who are merely bothered believe that something should be done, but somebody else ought to do it. But being burdened, y'all, it's something different. You see, when you are burdened, when you are burdened, you're weighed down. That thing which burdens you becomes like a heavy load. I mean, literally, that's the imagery that, that, that comes with the idea of having a burden. You're, you're carrying a load, right? You're struggling to, to carry it. It's heavy. It's about to fall. It's about to crush you. That thing which burdens you is like that, whole, uh, that, that load that strains your whole being, and it captures your full attention. You can't just shoo it away. You can't pretend like it doesn't exist. No, a burden, it motivates you to action so that this burden is no longer pressing you. It's no longer threatening to pulverize you. A burden, it, it, it motivates you to action because the person gets so fed up with it that they get to the point where they not only say, something must be done, to where they also say, and I'm going to do something about it. Beloved, I'm praying for those of you who are merely bothered will actually begin to become burdened today because the restoration of a city begins with a burden. But how do you and I develop a burden? Well, we see three steps here in the book of Nehemiah. First, in the book of Nehemiah, we see this. We inquire about the state of your city inquire about the state of your city that's what we see nehemiah doing here you see nehemiah was not in jerusalem he had a very important role as a servant in the king's court of the medo-persian empire in fact we learn in verse 11 that he was a cupbearer to the king as one author writes he said a cupbearer was typically a high-ranking official in charge of serving the king particularly to serve the wine to the royal table. Since kings were concerned about plots to poison them, cupbearers had to guard the cup carefully and would sometimes taste the drink. 
before serving it to ensure it was safe. Due to the responsibilities of the position, a cupbearer had to be trustworthy and loyal, and a cupbearer had the king's confidence, and because of his character, was able to exert influence in the royal court. God and his providence, that's exactly where he had Nehemiah. And so he had a very important role there in the king's court. Now, which king was this? Well, we learned in Nehemiah 2.1 that it was the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign over Persia, which was around the year 445 B.C. And we learned in Nehemiah 1.1 that Nehemiah had been serving king, uh, there in king Artaxerxes' court for as long as Artaxerxes had been king. He had been king for 20 years. Nehemiah had been his cupbearer for 20 years. And they were located there in the city of Susa, which is the capital city or was the capital city of the Persian Empire. Now, geographically, Susa is a really long way away from Jerusalem, about 900 miles as the crow flies. But here's the deal. Susa's in modern-day Iran, and of course, Jerusalem, you know where Jerusalem is. Nobody travels from Susa to Jerusalem as the crow flies because you can't hardly get there from there. There are mountains and there are deserts and, and there are all sorts of things. And so anybody that was going from Susa to Jerusalem couldn't go straight across. They had to go up and around what is called the Fertile Crescent until they reached the city of Jerusalem. It was typically a four-month journey. But why was Nehemiah so far from his home in Jerusalem? Well, Nehemiah, you see, was part of the Jewish exiles who had been taken to Babylon first about 160 years before Nehemiah's day. So here's the thing, right? As you think about Nehemiah wanting to know about Jerusalem, he'd never even seen it, y'all. He had never even seen Jerusalem. His people, his ancestors had been there in the region where he was for a hundred and, 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 and like 60 years at that point. Nehemiah had only heard about it from his parents and his, his, his other parents, right? Parents had passed it on to parents and so on and so forth. I mean, Nehemiah was like five or six generations removed from Jerusalem when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had come down and destroyed that city and had taken over the nation of Judah and, and took away the first exiles like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was in year 605 B.C. 605 B.C. is when that first began to happen. And here's Nehemiah in 445 B.C., like 160 years later. And it was, Neen, uh, it was King Nebuchadnezzar who came back to Jerusalem after 605 B.C. and utterly destroyed the temple and the city in 586 B.C., 20 years later after he began. And he carried away many, many, many of the Jews back into exile there to Babylon. And so from the destruction of the temple to Nehemiah's day, it was like 140 years. But he's not in service to the Babylonian Empire at this point, like his ancestors were. No, in 539 B.C., you see, the Babylonian Empire was overthrown by the Medo-Persian Empire, which 
gave them control of the area of Judah. And that's the nation that Nehemiah served under King Artaxerxes. Yet his Jewish heart, his Jewish heart was trained to long for the restoration of Jerusalem. Even though he had never seen it, he longed for its restoration. And indeed, God stirred the heart of King Cyrus of Persia right after Persia had overthrown Babylon to send some of the Jewish exiles back to Jerusalem and to finance the rebuilding of the temple. You can read all about that in the book of Ezra, chapter 1. 538 B.C., Cyrus sent a Jewish leader by the name of Zerubbabel and the first wave of exiles back to Jerusalem to begin the work of rebuilding the temple. This is really cool. Zerubbabel was actually a descendant of King David. The prophets Haggai and Zechariah were active during that period. And through great trials, they finished that work. And then in 458 B.C., that same king that Nehemiah is serving, Artaxerxes, he sent another wave of exiles back to Jerusalem along with a priest named Ezra. Ezra helped to restore the right worship there in the temple. And that brings us to Nehemiah about 13 years later than Ezra. In 445 B.C. We learn from the text here in Nehemiah 1 that when a man named Hanani came from Judah, Nehemiah had to know what was going on. So he inquired as to the state of the people back in Judah that had went with Ezra and, and perhaps even Zerubbabel he was thinking about. Beloved, you need to understand this morning, that is the first step for you and me in developing a burden you have to inquire about the state of your city. You can't just keep your head in the sand. You've got to get out of your own bubble, out of your own little part of the community, right? You, you have to be curious about what's going on around you. And it's so easy for you and me. I get it. It's so easy for us to get tunnel vision and to focus on my four and no more. You gotta inquire about what's going on. Well, how do you do that? Well, go to the pig any morning of the week. <laughs> go to the barber shop. That's where you're gonna find out all the news from one of those places. Go to the hairdresser. You're gonna get the news. <laughs> and that's certainly true. That's good, right? Go there and talk. Ask questions. Have conversations. You see, the state of our community should be of great concern to you. And it should be a topic of, re of, of regular conversation. You should also engage in local and regional news sources, right? I mean, local TV news, local newspapers, local social media outlets, local community groups, local regular Joes posting about what's going on around us. Now, I want to give you a caution for just a moment. Keep this in mind. This is basic human nature, okay? Keep this in mind. The news is naturally going to be slanted toward which? The positive or the negative? It's always going to be negative, right? <laughs> it's always going to be slanted toward the negative. And that's just how folks typically are. Y'all know probably well the old news slogan, if it bleeds, it what? Leads. If it bleeds, it leads. Folks don't usually share the positive stuff. Because the negative stuff, typically, it produces the energy to get people to actually spend time to post something, right? It, when something aggravates you, oh, wh where's my phone? I keep, right? 
You look like a squirrel with a nut on that thing. Because <laughs> you can't wait. you got all that energy. you got to tell somebody. If it was good news, you'd be like, hey, man, that's so cool. Man, praise God. You didn't even think about putting that on Facebook, did you? But if it's bad news, oh, my goodness, wait till I tell somebody. That's just how we work. Maybe, maybe that is fallen uh, center nature, right? I, I don't want to deny that. But nevertheless, it's at least human psychology in the state that we are in but also keep in mind news is a business did y'all know that haven't we found that out to be true in the last three years we've especially found that to be true news is a business and their job is not necessarily to tell you all the news their job is to get you to watch or to get you to click or to get you to go buy their sponsors stuff just keep that in mind okay most of the media that you have is actually not a media channel it is actually a advertising channel that uses media to get you to watch the advertisements just being real communication minor right here right that, that's one of the first things we learn in marketing okay that's just how it works so just keep all of that in mind and because of that it's typically the negative stuff that gets you in or gets you yourself to actually post something okay so that means that while there is probably more bad news that you don't hear about there is definitely way 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 more good news that you and i never hear about so it's up to you to do two things right one is that hey post good stuff y'all be bearers of good news not just bad news and also it's up to you to seek out a balance and i'm not talking when i say balance i'm not talking about right or left i'm not talking about democrat or republican i'm not talking about that kind of balance i'm talking about good and bad and whether it's good or bad you should be curious you should want to know this is your town this is your city and that's the neat thing about this church is that we are situated right in the corner of four counties and we don't all have the same city when you think about my city when you say my city, you're thinking about a different city than I'm thinking about probably. And God has us here representing all of these different communities and you should want to know what is going on in my city, in my community. And here's the deal, you'll never develop a burden for your city and community if you don't ask, if you don't inquire. Secondly this morning, here's the deal. To develop a burden for your city you have to let any brokenness break you let any brokenness break you now i just said not everything is broken right it not everything is broken much much good going on in this city and that city all around america even the worst cities that you can think of San Francisco, Chicago, you name them. A lot of good is going on in those cities. But here's the deal. Where there is brokenness, you must let that brokenness break you. That's what happened with Nehemiah. He inquired of Hanani, dude, what's happening in Jerusalem? 
And Hananiah and his companions, they didn't have good news to tell. Look at Nehemiah 1.3. They said to him, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Now look, y'all, this was not a new occurrence. We just covered that a minute ago, right? This city wall being torn down and these gates being burned by fire, they had been this way for 140 years at this point. Exiles had been back in Jerusalem now for over 90 years at this point. And they still hadn't touched the walls of the gates. Now the temple had been rebuilt, praise God. Read the book of Ezra. The temple had been rebuilt but the walls and the gates had not, which left the people extremely vulnerable. And this news, it broke Nehemiah. Look at verse 4. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. You see, beloved, he was completely broken over the brokenness of his home city. Or maybe we should actually say his heart city. Let me ask you a question. Just simple question of application. When was the last time you sat down and wept over your city and mourned over your city? Have you ever done that? When you get past being simply bothered by the state of your city and get a burden, you will likely do that. Nehemiah was broken over a city and his burden began to grow, which led him to this final step here that we see here for developing a burden for your city. And it's this, beg God to heal the brokenness. Beg God to heal the brokenness. Look again at the fullness of Nehemiah 1.4. Scripture says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down. What words? The words from Hanani. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. You see, beloved, in that moment, in that time of getting that bad news, he turned to the only one who can restore the brokenness. I mean, what could Nehemiah do? He was at least 900 miles from Jerusalem. At least 900 miles from Jerusalem. And so he began to fast because that's how serious he was. When you get serious, when you you seriously get burdened, you begin to fast, not eat food. Why? So that you can use that time instead of eating for praying. You know a Baptist is serious when he starts fasting. (laughs) Right? Praise God. I hope y'all missed lunch today because y'all had to go pray fast, right? I hope he gets that serious. He began to fast. He began to pray. That's how burdened he was. And, And he began to pray not just once, but the Bible here tells us over and over again he prayed. And I want you to look here how he would pray. Look at verses 5 through 11. And I want you to just sort of pick out here categories that you see here in his prayer. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. 
let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I've chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you've redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Oh, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. We're going to learn more about what that actually meant there next week. But this week, notice here, he begins to praise God he begins to confess corporate sins and then he moves to individual sins and he reminds God that he is a covenant keeper even though we are sinners and he calls on God to remember his promises and then he says this God would you give success to your servant what does success look like success is being obedient to God whatever your burden leads you to do whatever the burden that God has given you success is being faithful to follow through on that burden guys beg God to heal the brokenness now look he can do that miraculously right but, as we're going to see next week, God, although He can do that miraculously, He often does that what you might call manually. He uses us to fulfill His purposes. And I pray this morning, guys, that we would begin to get a burden inquire about the state of the community let what's broken break you and then beg God to heal it here's my final prayer may your eyes and heart be opened so that your burden for your city will grow